0: So topic this week out of Genesis chapter 3, the serpent. So we'll be looking at a few verses out of chapter 3 where we first were introduced to the serpent as well as quite a bit from Revelation 12 and Ezekiel 28 and a few other scattered verses through the Bible as well. So Genesis 3 verse 1, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So he is uh, cunning, that's one thing we have identified right from the very start, as this serpent is introduced here, fairly close to the beginning of the Bible, chapter 3. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. And so we saw right from the beginning, he's a liar. And he uses this lie, and we'll get more into this lie in another week. More in details on what that means, and what he meant by it, and how he's continuing to use that lie today. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. And so judgment came down upon the serpent. And then the wonderful promise, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And last week we looked at who this seed is, that was to come and who came and who bruised the serpent's head and in doing so had his heel bruised. The Messiah came to this world, Yeshua, our our Savior. And if you missed that, you'll be able to see that on shalomadventure.com and uh, on who that seed is and his important role and how he plays this enmity, this wall between us and the devil. Now he is there for us. And so now this week we're going to look at this serpent that God is this enmity between. Uh, He's the stand between us and this serpent. So to do that we need to go back even before Genesis chapter 3 and we do that by going to Revelation which takes us in this chapter anyway, chapter 12, takes us back before creation and says war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So this serpent, it comes under many names, many titles, is originally there in heaven war broke out in heaven. Could you imagine? A war in heaven. Heaven's supposed to be pure. Heaven's supposed to be happy. Heaven's supposed to be God ruling. There was war in heaven. And I imagine just as real war as we have here. The angels were fighting against each other. And even much more so than we could imagine here, a galactic battle taking place in heaven. Good angels versus the bad angels. And Satan then tricked one third of the angels and they were cast out with him and cast out to this earth. The devil goes by many names. Dragon, serpent, devil, Satan, Lucifer, covering cherub, accuser of the brethren. In Ezekiel 28, verse 12, you were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So twice here, he calls him perfect, perfect in his ways, seal of perfection. So God didn't make a mistake in creating him and created him beautiful and created him adorned and talented, musical. And yet, he sinned. Yet he chose to sin and fell from that exalted state. And if we think we can't fall, if we think we can't be tricked, and we can't be deceived, we can think, oh, you know, boy, yeah, Eve blew it for the rest of us. Well, I wouldn't have done that if I was Eve. Boy, she was dumb. We don't know ourselves. And who was it that tempted the devil? He didn't need anyone to tempt him. People think, oh, when the devil's gone, then there won't be any more temptation and we'll never have a problem again because it's all the devil's fault. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. Satan chose to sin on his own. We don't need someone prompting us on. And again, he was perfect. Perfectly created with the ability to choose. The ability to choose God, the ability to reject God. Free choice. It's the only atmosphere where love is manifested. Where love can be manifested. Where love can be demonstrated. Where love can be given and love can be received. With free choice. And so God in his infinite love gave Lucifer free choice. And he chose to reject it. We need to be careful. Verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You were corrupted. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. So Pride lifted up, his beauty, looking at himself. God made me homely so that way I don't have to be tempted with that. <laughs> You got to be careful when you're good looking, you know, so. His good looks was his downfall. Oh, let's go back to the text before. There's something I wanted to look at here. In verse 14, it says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. It's covering cherub. Covering cherub. Now, if the sanctuary service is a representation of God's throne and heavenly courts, and the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh Kodeshim, where the Ark of the Covenant is, it's a representation and the Ark representing God's throne and the mercy seat, God's seat, and the Shekinah glory, there God's presence. And God, when he had it, Moses design it, and later on Solomon expanded on it, he had two angels, two cherubs, on either side of the Ark of the Covenant, sitting on the mercy seat. And so this could be indicating that Lucifer was originally one of those two cherubs that close to the throat of God, right there, looking down at God's law, looking down at God's mercy, looking down at that blended together beauty of mercy and truth of God's heart. And even from that perspective, chose to turn away from God. Those who think that they can't give up their salvation after they've once received it, well, how do they explain Lucifer? He can't get any more saved than being in heaven. (laughs) He can't be any more closer to God than being one of the covering cherubs right there. And if God let him choose to turn from that, then why would he not allow us to choose to reject Him after we once accepted Him. Does He take away our free choice? Does He take away our ability to love? No. No, not for eternity. We will always have that free choice. Now God promises there won't ever be another sin, but that's because He's allowing it all to be exposed right now so that all the universe will see the results of letting our hearts grow in pride in dissatisfaction with God and thinking we know better than God. Another point here in verse 14, it says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Well, the word anointed there is Moshiach and Moshiach is Messiah. I thought that was kind of strange, so I looked that up in the Hebrew and all the translations as they would look at, lots of them, they say the Messiah. I mean, the, 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 the anointed. But in the Hebrew, the in Hebrew is ha, right? Like uh, ha-moshiach, the Messiah, right? Uh, but it's not ha it's mimoshiach. And me, mi, the mem, as a prefix to a word, means from. So it's from the Messiah. So he is not the Messiah, but he came forth. He was created from the Messiah. The Messiah put him in that position. He's an anointed cherub from the Messiah. The Messiah gave him that position. And from that position, he rebelled against the one who put him there. He rebelled against his creator. He rebelled against his boss. He rebelled against the one who elevated him to his position, bit the hand that fed him. And so he was lifted up in pride. I imagine began to think he knew better than God. If I was in charge here, I would do things a little differently. I think I'd paint this this color. and. I'd, Change the music here a little bit, and I'd do this a little bit, and I'd run things a little differently. Again, become dissatisfied. Very dangerous. We, Satan hates, for, uh, he hates this topic. He hates for us to understand him. He hates for us to study him. He hates for us to know his devices. Because if we better understand his devices and how he works in deceiving, then we will be better apt to resist his temptations when they come at us, and they're very subtle. He's very cunning, and he gets us thinking, oh, it's for the better good of the congregation. It's the better good of the society. It's the better good of uh, the organization here. It's the better the good of the, of the business. It's, it's, it's the, for the betterment of this uh, job that I'm working at here. If I was in charge. <laughs> We start undercutting other people in our own minds. Satan begins to get us in a state of unhappiness, dissatisfaction, disgruntled, negative. And iniquity was found in him, lifted up because of his pride, thinking he could do better than God. And again, we know better. And right? when we say, oh, well, this is what the Bible says, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that applies to me. I don't know. That, that was a long time ago. Things have probably changed since then. We begin to doubt God's wisdom. And we think we know better than God. We make ourselves God's. To change his word or neglect his word or deny even three quarters of it, and put it in the dustbin of old. Isaiah 14, verse 12 How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground. You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. He didn't want to just have more say in what was going on. He wanted the seat. Now what would have happened if God would have just destroyed him? Right from the beginning there. Once he saw that sin in his heart might have been great. Well, the angels could have argued you didn't have a better answer. That's right. The the angels would have been in doubt. You didn't have a good argument. You couldn't stand up to him. You couldn't point out where he was wrong. So you had to just destroy him. Maybe I guess then he was right. And then there would have been more rebellion. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, gave him more rope to prove himself and to hang himself. And when it was revealed enough in heaven, God set up the war, and two-thirds of the angels fought against the one-third that fell. And in all that time, we don't know how long it was, Lucifer was going and deceiving one-third of the angels, tricking them little by little. Insinuating here or there. I'm sure it wasn't just an open rebellion from the start. But he sowed the seed of doubt in his mind and pride in his mind. And then he began to share it with others. Gossip, insinuations, insurrection, rebellion, control, manipulation. And he began to get those on his side and he was cast out and cast to this earth so that his real purpose can be fully seen. That he didn't just have a disagreement with God, he wanted God dead. He wanted to commit diocide. diocide. <laughs> and have God's position as the Most High. And so God allowed that to play out for 4,000 years. And we see the result. He went about, when he had the power and the ability to do so, he killed God. Thankfully, the father raised Yeshua from the dead, but that exposed to the any doubt in the universe, any of the created beings out there, whether or not his what Lucifer's real intentions were, that he wanted to be like the Most High, and to get to that position he would do everything and anything, including killing God. So that should put an end to it, right? Now all the universe is able to see his real intentions. So why are we still here? Why is the battle still raging? Because all the universe knows, but this dumb planet doesn't know yet. Because we haven't told them yet. When this gospel is preached in all the world, then the end shall come. It's that simple. It's that simple. So may we wake up how serious this battle is, how deadly this battle is. He would go about, kill God. He will spare nothing at taking you down as well. He knows he's going down, and he wants to take as many with him as possible. And that's how Lucifer became the devil from shining light, sun of the morning, to a demon. Not overnight, little by little. And the changes that take place in us when we turn from the Lord don't happen overnight. little neglect here, a little doubt God's word here, a little Putting off of prayer here, not confessing just one little area, letting it continue to grow and grow, unseen and unknown, till it bears fruit, multiplies, gains root, lays hold, and then locks us in its own deception where we think this is actually good that we're doing. And God would even want it this way. We self-deceive ourselves and self-deceive others. And so one-third were cast out with him. Some people say the way you talk about the devil and the evil angels is like you think there's a, a demon behind every rock. I don't believe there's a demon behind every rock. Maybe three or four, but uh, not just one. One-third of all the angels in all of heaven sent to this one tiny little speck of a planet? Yes, there are demons everywhere. And they don't go to sleep. And they want to destroy us all. We need to be alert and on guard at all times to our own hearts, our own thoughts, our motives, and our words. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We need to be hearing him. We need to be allowing him to convict us and show us if there's any wicked way in us. We need to be praying like the disciples, Lord, is it I? Am I? I, Is there something in me that would betray you? It needs to be our daily prayer. Lord, cleanse me. Wash me of everything that's not of heaven. Now, even though there's one-third of the heavenly, uh, uh, original heavenly angels stuck here on this planet as demons, it still means there's two-thirds of God's heavenly angels that are on our side. And so God's got them outnumbered. And even though the devil's a bad dude, he still can only be in one place at one time. And God is omnipresent and omnipowerful and all-knowing and has them outnumbered and outflanked on every side and is more than a match for all the devil can throw at us. So while we have to be aware, we don't have to be afraid. So they were cast down to this earth Allowed to tempt Adam and Eve, unfortunately, they made a wrong choice. I believe if they would have made a right choice, that would have put an end to it right then and there. They made the wrong choice and extended Lucifer's time in his deceptions. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. We've had our problems here ever since. And Satan gained dominion over this planet. Now, what was Adam's original position? What was his original title? What was he called in the Bible? Son of God. Very good. Son of God. Look at the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 6. The sons of God came before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. These sons of God? Who are these sons of God coming to this meeting before the Lord? Well, The Bible doesn't give us a lot of evidence. Again, the Bible is really just about the short history of this earth. It's not the history of God. <laughs> it's not the history of the universe. There is an indication, these sons of God, if Adam was the original son of God for this earth, These other sons of God, and they're all coming together, they could be representatives of various different planets and galaxies that God has out there. They all came together for a joint meeting, a joint session, all coming together representing their planets. But Adam's not there, Satan is there. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And Satan answered, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking back and forth on it. What is he saying? What is that statement? Where are you from? I've been going to and fro on the earth, walking back and forth all over it. What is he saying? I own it. I rule it. I can go anywhere I want. I have full dominion over that place. That's mine. I am the representative of that planet. I stole it from Adam. I am now the prince of this earth. And so here I am with the sons of God, representing the earth. God says, well, you don't have every place. (laughs) You don't have Job's heart. And that's a whole big story, right? That's a wonderful story. And he doesn't have to have our heart either. But he is the prince of this earth because he did steal the dominion from Adam. And thus, in order to gain it back, God had to send a second Adam. As a son of man and as the son of God. To win back the rightful role over this earth. And that's a big topic in itself as well. But Satan's role here now still, because God has won the war, but the battle is still going on. Back to Revelation 12, verse 12. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. He is angry. He is on a rampage. And he knows. He knows he's going down. He knows he only has a short time, but he doesn't care. He's going to take as many with him as possible. He is evil, hateful. And now that he can't get at God anymore, the next best thing is to get at God by getting at God's children, by getting at human beings. And so he's on the attack and raging. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be on guard all the time. Be sober, be awake. Be clear-minded. Don't let anything cloud the mind. Don't let anything lessen the thinking. Be vigilant at all times, on awake and ready at all times. Because he's lurking and seeking and devising ways to trip us up. To devour us, to destroy us, to bring us down with him. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. He didn't come as a red monster with horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. That's what he wants us to think. Some imaginary creature. No, he came as a beautiful winged, Colorful serpent to Eve. Speaking pleasant words. will make you wiser and better. Make you like God. When he came and tempted Yeshua, I am here to help you. You're hungry. Why don't you turn some of these rocks into bread? I'm on your side. I'll give you all these Cities, make it easy for you. I'll give you this world. I'll make it easy. Comes as an angel of light. Not as some anti-God, but often appearing to be on God's side. And Satan can use us the most when we are professing to believe in God and professing to others that we serve God and we're not. And that's how he comes forth. And when he tempted Yeshua, he was quoting the Bible. Partially, out of context, but nonetheless. And Satan is still using that method today. As an angel of light, things will be better. It'll be better for you, it'll be better for others. You don't need this anymore. Those things are burdens. Do what you want, you're free now, you're forgiven. It's all just forgiveness. God is love. God is so loving, he would never want you to do something that is against what you really feel and how you really were born to be. lies of the devil, very subtle. You'll have more if you keep more for yourself, and then if you have more, you'll gain more, and then when you have more, you'll be able to give more. Many ways that he comes and tries to undermine God's word as an angel of light. And imagine that's how you've got caught. She's probably, you know, Taken by surprise. And she was warned. She probably wasn't expecting something beautiful and soft-spoken and nice and pretty and be on guard at all times, of all things. Test everything by the word of God. The whole word of God. Not just a portion here, portion there, the whole word of God. Satan's a liar and the father of it. Lied from the beginning and he continues to lie. Revelation 12, 17, the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah. So the dragon, the serpent of old, he's enraged with the woman. In Genesis it was the woman and the seed of the woman. Here it's the woman and the offspring of the woman. Parallels here between three Genesis 3:15 and Revelation 12:17. This is woman, the seed, the offspring of Eve. The seed, the seed of Messiah. We learned last week, right? The Messiah is the seed, and then the, the, those who accept the Messiah become his seed. And the seed of Eve, the seed of Abraham, inheritors of the promises. And here it describes what that offspring is like. What is that seed like? What is God's children like? Whom does Satan hate the most? Who is he at war with? War in heaven, and now war here against us. War. We're in a war. We're in a battle. I wonder why you got problems. (laughs) You're in the middle of a battle, and you're on enemy territory. (laughs) We're surrounded with landmines. We're not in heaven. We are in a battle. Why is it a struggle? Is this the flesh? To want to pray, to want to read the Bible, to live for God. Why is it such a struggle? Because we're at war. We're at war. The devil is pulling us constantly, tempting us, trying to get us to do wrong, trying to keep us away from doing what's right. From without and from within our carnal natures. Because before we come to Messiah, we are his seed. We are his children. As he took over this earth as he gained access to Adam and Eve, as he became their God, as he became their master, as he became their Lord, as we became his slave. So Messiah has come to set us free from that. To come as an enmity between us and that. To forgive us and cleanse us and deliver us From the bondage of sin and sinning, from the bondage to Satan's hold, from the bondage to the carnal nature. It was the ability to resist where Eve fell and Adam fell. And so the description of the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God, not who just think about them, not just who believe them, not just who like some of them not just do like one or two of them, but who keep them and keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Yeshua, the Messiah. Pretty simple description. Two identifications. Think everybody would copy that. (laughs) Then they could say, oh, we're the offspring. We're the remnant. That's pretty simple. But very few, willing to have that balance of both, have the Messiah Yeshua and the commandments of God. That makes perfect sense, because Yeshua wrote the commandments with his own finger, so they're his commandments, and he writes them in our hearts and our minds, and he empowers us with his spirit to live them and do them. And he doesn't change, and he doesn't make mistakes. So it only makes sense that God's children will have that seal, that identification upon them that they're keeping God's commandments by the grace and the power of Yeshua the Messiah. And that's why the devil hates that the most. (laughs) He doesn't care we're trying to keep the commandments in our own strength. I'll let him go on in legalism and attempting and struggling and burdens. He doesn't care if we profess to be followers of Messiah while we're breaking all of his commandments. Or even just one, if you've broken one, you've broken them all. He doesn't care about that as much. What he cares about is those who demonstrate the full gospel. Forgiven and cleansed. And empowered and renewed. Renewed. and walk in newness of life. Because that's being restored into the image that God created Adam and Eve in. And Satan doesn't want to go back there. That spells his downfall. And so he's enraged and wants to do everything he can to stop that balanced truth from being revealed. And again, that's right at God's throne, the commandments, And Yeshua, right there, the heart of God's throne, right where Lucifer originally was. And he hates that. He doesn't want us getting to that place. He doesn't want us sitting where he was. He doesn't want us coming boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. He doesn't want us coming before God's throne. Ephesians six eleven. put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Your problems are not your neighbors. Your problems are not your boss or your, your employees or your co-workers or your family. Our problem is the devil. Now, he may be using them and controlling them and manipulating them, but they're not the issue. They're just like the poor serpent who lost his legs over it. They're just the instrument that the devil is using. But they're not the real issue. And when we think they are, then Satan has got his eyes in the wrong place. And we're not seeing him for what he really is, and then he's really won the battle, because then we get angry, and or hurtful, or insecure, or bitter, revengeful, and then we're not witnessing, and we're not loving, and we're not testifying, and we're not battling against the real enemy. We're battling against the victim. They are the victim, the ones that are hurting. Us, you, me, each other, themselves. They are the victim. They are being controlled by the devil. Puppets of the devil. We need to pray for them that they may be set free. And intercede on their behalf. And love our enemies as ourselves. do good to those who despitefully use us. By God's grace, by God's power. Have pity upon them. Because they're just tools of the devil. And they need to be set free. As we need to go against the gates of hell and liberate those who are like, captive there. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. So that we can stand and we will be able to stand against the devil. Yes, he's a liar. Yes, he's a deceiver. Yes, he's angry. Yes, he's bad. Yes, he's going around all over the place. But he doesn't have to have victory over us. Job passed the test. and By God's grace, we can pass the test as well. Yeshua passed the test. And by God's grace, we can pass the test as well. Be able to stand against his and his devices. Stand, belt with your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God, so that we can stand. Now the whole the armor of God is covering the person, everywhere except one spot: their back. If you turn from the devil and try and run, he'll throw darts right through your back, right through your heart. Stand against the devil. Stand against the trials. Stand against the troubles. Fight against the devil. How do we fight? With truth. God's word. That's what Yeshua did as Satan tried to quote, misquote God's word. Yeshua quoted the word of God. Be able to stand because of the word of God. Know God's truth. Complete truth. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. And having the breastplate of righteousness. Like the Kohen Gadol, having the breastplate upon him, covering his heart. God's righteousness, as Adam and Eve were covered with the righteousness of those lambs that they slain for forgiveness. That God clothed them with, that God made clothing for them. Clothed in God's righteousness. His goodness over us. Not in our own goodness. We have no goodness of our own. We have nothing to bring before God. We have no goodness that we can claim to earn us any credit for anything. All to the glory of God. All of our own righteousness, as best it could be, is nothing but filthy rags. But His righteousness over our hearts, over our emotions, over our feelings. Not moved by desire, lusts, and passion, but controlled by God's righteousness, allowing Him to have our heart. Our feet shod with the gospel, that we're taking the gospel to the world, that we're doing God's work. The devil doesn't care if we sit here all day and night talking to each other. He could care less. Because he knows then we're just dead. When we're filled with the love of God, when we're filled with the Spirit of God, we will have a burden and a passion to share it with others. That's why Yeshua left heaven and came to this earth to tell others to save those who are lost. And when we have his heart, we will do the same. We will go forth, help those who don't know the Lord. Taking the gospel, experiencing the gospel, and taking it forth to others. The full gospel Not just a forgiven gospel, but forgiven and then by God's power victorious as well. Shield of faith. To protect us from the darts, darts are going to come. You go out witnessing, you go out living for the Lord, you go out gaining victory over temptation, you pray, allow God to show you sins in your life, devil's going to throw darts all over the place. But you have the shield of faith to protect you against the darts. You need more faith, pray. God, give me more faith. Helmet of salvation. Yeshua. Covering our minds and our hearts. His salvation, His forgiveness, His cleansing, His mercy, His grace, His death in our behalf. And saving us from the devil. Saving us from sin and the power of sin. His salvation is full and complete in our minds, our choices. Choosing to live for God, walk for God, stand for God, love God, heart, mind, soul, body, feet. In the hands, the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, going forth, cutting asunder, teaching God's truth. And then maybe the most important armor, which, without which the others will be ineffective, All prayer. Praying always. Without ceasing. An attitude of prayer all the time. Not just a, Lord, lay me down to sleep. Not just a, Lord, thank you for this food. Drive me safely. Praying at all times. An attitude of prayer. An attitude of surrender. Lord, I can do nothing without you. Lord, help me. Guide me. Direct me. Show me what you want me to do. What choice should I make here? What should I buy? What should I eat? What should I, where should I go? Direct me. An attitude of surrendered prayer. Lord, help me. Help me change this light bulb. Help me do this. Lord, help me in everything. Help me tie my shoes. Lord, guide me. Thank you for giving me the ability to breathe. An attitude of prayer, surrendered prayer. An attitude of praise, thankfulness. Intercessory prayer. Lord, save that dirty bum who did that to me. Lord, forgive them. Lord, cleanse them. Lord, bring them to repentance. Lord, show them your love. Show them your light. Show me if there's something I should say or do to help them along that path. Intercessory prayer. Lord, go before me. I share this book with this person at work. This card, this track, this information. Intercessory prayer. Warfare prayer. The Lord rebuke you, devil. You have no right over me. Yeshua has paid the price for me. I have been forgiven for that sin. You have no right over me. There is no temptation that has taken me such as is common to man, but God will give me the victory over it. The Lord, get out of Satan, get out of here. The Lord rebuke you. By God's grace, I'm not going to do that again. By God's grace, I'm not doing that now. By God's grace, I'm going to move forward. By God's grace, I am doing this, what God told me to do. Lord, rebuke you, Satan. Get out of my mind. Get out of my thoughts. I don't want to hear that song anymore. I don't want to hear those thoughts anymore. I don't want to think that way about that person anymore. Get out of here, Satan. Warfare prayer. I am Yeshua's. He is mine. I am his child. He's made me a son of God. You have no right over me anymore. Been bought and paid for. Warfare prayer. All kinds of prayer. Lots of prayer. Different prayers. All prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Back to Genesis 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Yeshua has bruised the serpent's head, and in doing so, he got bruised at the same time. But then in Romans 16, verse 20, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, he's only bruised right now. Yes, he's still alive, but he's going to eventually get crushed. Amen. He, he won't be forever. He's been damaged. He's been bruised. And he's going to be crushed. We have an enmity between us and him. And while he's going around and biting at us and harassing you and bruising you and hurting you and tempting you, God has given you authority over him by his power, by God's power. Ezekiel 28, verse 16, You sinned, therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroy you, O covering cherub. I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. Again, can we get a hallelujah there? going to destroy you, devour you, ashes on the face of the earth. No more forever. And we'll get more into that in another week, sometime. Yes, he's going to be crushed. His head is going to be crushed forever. Back to Revelation 12, verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his messiah have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our god day and night has been cast down and they for overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death rejoice O heavens and you who dwell in them Amen. amen, amen. God's salvation, his glory, his strength, his power is manifested. The devil's going down. He accuses us day and night. Again, he doesn't sleep. But God never sleeps nor slumbers neither. God's got his number. And they overcame him. We can overcome the devil. We don't have to be subject to him any longer. Overcome by the blood of the Lamb. That lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. The lamb, that seed. Overcome by him, not by ourselves, not in our own strength, not in our own might. By the word of their testimony. Telling others what God has done in our lives. Daily what he's done in our lives. Answers to prayer. Miracles wrought. Victories won. Telling other people, testifying. Going forth and telling other people and loving their lives not to death. We're we willing to die for you, Lord. We're we willing to die for Yeshua. We're we willing to die for Him. You guys sound just like Peter. Yeah, I'll never die. I'll die for you. <laughs> Dying is easy. Living is harder. That's right. Dying is easy. It's living that's hard. That's right. Yeah. We don't know ourselves if we think, oh no, I'll never deny him. Oh no, I would die for Oh yes, I would die for him. Oh, we don't know our own hearts. <laughs> dying is easy, yeah. The dying to self. That's another thing. <laughs> Willing to die to self. That's what it's talking about here. Loving their lives to death. Are we willing when the Holy Spirit says you've had enough to eat? Are we willing to stop eating? <laughs> when the Holy Spirit says you've spent enough, are we willing to stop spending? When the Holy Spirit says give more, are we willing to give more? The Holy Spirit says do this, are we willing to go? The Holy Spirit says go talk to your neighbor and give him this book, are we willing to go and give him the book? Yeah, yeah. Say, I don't even know his name. Well, why don't you know his name? <laughs> go find out his name. <laughs> I'm willing to die for you, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want. And I like that story, a guy comes up to his friend, he says, uh, Sam, we've been friends a long time. Sam says, oh yeah, yeah, a long time, most of our lives. Well, we're buddies, right? Oh yeah, we're buddies. Well, Sam, if, if you had two yachts, would you give me one of them? Sam said, huh. you're my best friend. If I had two yachts, sure, I'd give you one of them. Sam, if you had two Lamborghinis, would you give me one of them? Yeah, if I had two Lamborghinis, I'd give you one right away. Sam, if you had two $20 bills, would you give me one of them? Sam says, that's not fair. You know I have two $20 bills. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for you. Go to your neighbor. Go talk to the guy at work. Go Go forgive this person. Are we willing to die each moment? Get up, go read your Bible. Oh, I'm tired. A little more sleep, let me sleep a little longer. Are we willing to get up for him? Are we Willing to live for him? Oh, this person needs some help moving. Oh, this person there in the hospital, something, need their grass cut. Oh, oh, I got a ball game to go. I got oh God, something to do. We're willing to be used by the Lord. That's where the real test is. That's where the daily test is. Are we willing to die each day to our selfish carnal desires? And are we really willing to serve God at all times? That's where we'll be tested. That's where it's shown. So you're willing to die to self? Willing to give up that anger, that bitterness, that revenge, those fears, the anxieties, the cares. Diane said to me, she said she tried being depressed. It was too boring. She gave it up. (laughs) (laughs) Willing to give up these things that bring us down, that distract us from the Lord. Petty issues, petty arguments, unforgiveness, maybe big issues, maybe real hurtful issues, maybe forgiving yourself, willing to accept God's forgiveness and if he forgave you, if he's willing to die for that other person and offered forgiveness to them, then by his grace, he can give us the power to do the same. We're willing to allow him to live in us and out of us. That's how we gain victory over the devil. That's how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And then we will have a testimony to tell. Even just, you know, like telling someone, yeah, God told me to, a friend of mine, she sent her kids out in the yard and they were needing money, I forget exactly how much, like let's say $40. And so she sent her kids out to the Lord. The Lord said, There's $40 out in the yard. Go and look in the yard and see if there's any money floating around the yard. <laughs> she had five kids. They all went out there running around the yard looking around. And, uh, and, uh, and she was in the house praying. A car drove by, stopped, said to the kids, That pile of wood there, are you going to use that? And. Uh, he said, no, we'll go ask our mom. So they went and got our mom. It came, she came out. He said, I'll buy that for $40. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. yeah. cool. Are we willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and be moved by him? Not all of us hear the Holy Spirit that way. But God's word, the Bible, God's spirit inspired that. We can read that. and We can start just obeying that. And so, if you're willing to die to self, allow God to give you victory and to overcome whatever area in your life is needing to be overcome right now, whatever area needs to be surrendered to the Lord. In a moment when we pray, let the Lord do his work and surrender it to him. Let him cleanse your heart. That Satan does not have a foothold anywhere not even one splinter anywhere, nothing. Give him no room at all. If there's anything in your heart or mind that's not in harmony with God, surrender it in a moment when we pray. Secondly, if you're being bruised by the devil, being harassed, being persecuted, whether he's using humans or circumstances or situations or your car or your computer or something that's finances, or health. Praise the Lord that you're counted worthy to enter into this war against the devil. And ask God to give you faith and strength, and courage to continue on with the armor of God. Is there any area of the armor of God where you're lacking? You need to be praying more, and you need God to give you all prayer, live prayers. Powerful prayers. In a moment we pray, ask God to give you that, cover you with that armor. You need to know the word of God more, Want more of a thirsting for it, and more of a desire to read it and to understand it, to know God's truth and to walk in God's truth. And ask God to fill you with his word. If you're not witnessing and not winning souls for his kingdom, maybe you can't talk eloquently, but take some cards off the table, pass them out. Leave them places, leave them on tables, go to an office, somewhere, anywhere. A checkout counter, somewhere, give them the to one. Somewhere, somehow, put in a window. Go and witness for the Lord, get a bumper sticker. <laughs> somehow, some way, shape or form, witness for the Lord. Testify for him your feet covered with the gospel, shoes of the gospel. God's impressing your mind and heart, someone to go witness to. In the moment we pray, ask God to go before you and to win them for his kingdom. Is there some temptation that you've been under? You're struggling against some sin God's calling you to gain victory over? In the moment we pray, ask God for that power, that strength, that victory walk forward in newness of life and claim God's salvation over that sin. If any of those areas or anything in that applies to you, let's pray and let God do his work. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we praise your name that you are more than victorious, that you are all-powerful, that you are almighty and you have defeated Satan and you have bruised him and you are going to crush him once and for all and that you have stood in our behalf and Stand between us and him. Thank you for being that enmity for us. Thank you for taking the darts. Thank you for taking the bruises. Thank you for taking the pain. And thank you for covering us in your blood. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you, Yeshua, for being the Lamb of God. Thank you for being bruised for us. Come and live in our hearts and our minds. We claim your victory and your salvation in our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And transform us and empower us and cover us in your armor in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.